Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi. This is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. In good times and bad, in peace and at moments of crisis, an evil generation seeks a sign. We want a sign that the good times will keep rolling. We want assurances that the crisis of this moment will come to an end. That's why we're an evil generation because we look for signs in the world that satisfy our appetite for comfort and security. Such signs, the projection of our fears, are most certainly evil. The only valid sign in God's eyes is the signpost he plants in our eyes through the hearing of his instruction. That's why no sign will be given to us except the sign of Jonah. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. You're listening to the Bible as literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 320 of the Bible as Literature podcast. Everyone is talking about the coronavirus. Everyone is grappling with the threat of their own mortality. Everyone is doing internal math to figure out what they need to do to keep themselves and maybe also their families safe. Not enough people are thinking about the needs of the most vulnerable. And I'm not just talking about the elderly rich. I'm talking about the hourly workers who have to go in day after day to make sure the country keeps running. Many of them in 2020 don't have benefits, don't have health insurance, will not be paid if they don't go in. We are relying on these people to make sure that our grocery stores remain full, that shipping continues, that if we do have to go into work based on our own professional responsibility, someone is there to prepare a hot meal because restaurants are closed. Right? These are the people we should be thinking about. So we can read the signs and the percentages and the body counts and the spread of the virus and the rate of the virus and how quickly it multiplies. That's one kind of sign that's as easy to read in some ways as the stock market. It either goes up or down and your emotions go up or down with it because your treasure is in the wrong place. But if you are scriptural, the sign that you see is the sign of these workers who don't have protection and don't have anyone watching their back when we all know from the Torah that it is we, those of us who have heard Scripture, who should be watching their back right now.
the sign that we see is that it's high time to follow God's word, that we are supposed to be taking care of our neighbor. We are supposed to be taking care of those who are vulnerable. And when we have a moment of judgment like we see around us, and when I say judgment, I don't mean that God is bringing down the hammer. I'm not saying this. What I'm saying is that this moment, when seen through the eyes of Scripture, is a keros, an opportunity, a time where we can act according to God's commandment, according to his Torah, according to his word. When we have this opportunity, we need to take it, because when there is the potential of tragedy, when there is the looming doom, and doom is an old word for judgment, we have a choice. We can follow those who are stockpiling guns and ammunition, which is something that's happening right now, or we can make sure that our neighbor has enough food. We can make sure that those who are in want have what they need, but we have one path that's acceptable to take, and that is the path that God laid out with his word and which his word lights up so that we can continue to follow it without stumbling. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up, and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Here we go. We know right now people are debating, why would God do this? Well, that's the wrong question. Can God just give us a sign that we're going to be okay, that I'm going to be okay. And you can bet that when someone says when we're going to be okay, what they mean is when am I going to be okay? And if that were not the case, the grocery stores would not be empty of toilet paper and hand sanitizers and rice. People are panicking and they are acting out of selfish fears because they want to take care of number one. And you can just broaden what you call number one to include your family. It's still selfish. Because in a situation like this, the only way anyone is okay is if we make sure that all of us are okay. So if you're looking for some kind of sign, it's because you're like a superstitious trader who's worried about losing money and wears one pink sock or you're like somebody who's nervously reading the news about coronavirus statistics not to become knowledgeable and informed but because they're terrified of what is coming next and the funny thing is we all know how to read those signs but can we read the biblical signs the sign is something that we demand of God, that we demand that God produce or hear that Jesus produce to make up our minds for us. And you know, whenever anyone complains, how could God allow something like this to happen? They're complaining that God isn't doing his job. God isn't doing what he is supposed to be doing. God isn't fulfilling his duty, which is to love and take care of us. However, the sign is a reminder that we have a duty, that we have a job to do, which is to make sure that those around us are being taken care of in times where it's difficult to do so, in times where it's easy to be suspicious or angry of those around us, at a time where others are being greedy, but not us. So what do we do to stay on the right path? 
the point is not to get God to show us a sign to prove to us that he's worthy to be followed or that his path is worthy to be followed or that his teaching is worthy to be followed or that there's something special about his path as opposed to the path we're on already. God has nothing to prove. The sign is that it is time for us to follow his law, to follow his Torah. If you collect all of the hand sanitizer... <laughs> I won't even get into the toilet paper issue, Rich. <laughs> We've all seen plenty of jokes online. But if you collect all of the hand sanitizer and your neighbor has no hand sanitizer, guess what? The hand sanitizer won't help you. Think about it logically. I mean, this is really important. We are dealing with something that is a genuine test for the American public because it is a refutation of individualism. When you go to the grocery store and you look upon the shelves and they are empty, it is definitely a biblical sign. It's a sign that it is time for the Lord to act because the people have rejected his Torah. It's a very ominous sign. That's how scripture works. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? Again, the Sadducees and the Pharisees listen to National Public Radio. They probably play it on their podcast player, and they listen carefully to hear how the stock market is performing. They listen carefully to hear how many people are sick this day in the United States and how many people have died. They listen carefully to see what's happening to their 401k. So they can read those signs and make their calculations and their decisions and make a run on the grocery market. But can they read the biblical sign? We know why they can't. Because, as the Lord said, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if the light that is in your eye is darkness, the whole body is full of darkness. You can't see. Where are you getting your news from? It is a very basic question in Scripture. The Dabar, the Word, is the news. It's the matter of substance at hand. So when you're listening to National Public Radio, you're not listening because you care about the plight of the elderly or the working class. You're listening because you want to know what's going to happen to you. And Scripture always flips that on its head. I mean, this is the problem is, where are you getting your news from? Precisely because the critique against the scribes and the Pharisees is that they look around them and they want to understand the messages that they're receiving so that they know how to act next. But there's one source that teaches how to act. There's even in this example a hint of paganism because one of the ways that the ancients would actually tell the future would be to look at signs and look at clouds and look at astrological signs. And these were the kinds of signs they would look at in order to understand the messages from the gods. This happened all the way back to Babylonian times. 
So this was the scientific reasoning of their time, and this is what they used to figure out what they needed to do next. The problem is it didn't tell them what to do next as far as taking care of their neighbor. It told them what to do next as far as taking care of their own crops in order to take care of their own families, in order to take care of their own people. But it did not keep them on the path that God laid out for them in the Torah. So I suggest that while everyone is hunkering down and they're not going to restaurants and they're not going to be spending time with their friends, spend a little extra time reading scripture. There are many churches around the world and in the United States that are closing. So that gives us a fantastic opportunity to read and understand scripture as a way of reminding us about the path laid out for us and the doom that comes to those who choose not to follow that path yet claim to believe in God and claim to trust in God. So do you trust in what you can carry in your cart at the grocery store or in the word that was given to you in scripture? The entire country is working from home on the internet. People are working round the clock, and they are risking their lives very often going into data centers, going into their places of work in order to make sure that you can listen to this podcast, that you can do a conference call online with your coworkers, with people from your church community. If you want to talk about biblical signs, this is where your head needs to be, focused on the people who are truly in need of our support and a spirit of brotherhood, which is sorely lacking. And in this sense, this is truly a sign from heaven. It's a test. This is a test. How are we going to carry each other? Will we bear one another's burdens? Will we share what we have or will we hoard? This is a kind of reckoning, a moment of truth. And there's only one place we can look for hope, and that is the teaching of Jesus Christ, this book that we've been reading to you every week for six years. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. Before the program, Rich, you and I talked about the sign of Jonah. It's come up again and again. And the funny thing is, anyone hearing this for the first time, which they would in the Gospel of Matthew, they'd be hearing it for the first time. It's the first book of the New Testament. If you're a Roman Gentile, it's the first thing you hear. So you now come across this verse about the sign of Jonah, and you open to this tiny book in the Old Testament and find somebody who can read Hebrew or you get a copy of the Greek text. But by now you would have been studying Hebrew after grinding through the genealogy. But in any case, you find the book of Jonah and you open it up. And what is the first thing you see when you open the book? The word of the Lord that came to Jonah. And then again at the beginning of chapter 3, the word of the Lord that came to Jonah. Now everyone will talk about the things that Jonah said and the things that happened and try to figure out what the sign is, but I have news for you. The whole reality of Jonah is contained in the word which was delivered to the prophet Jonah again 
and again. This word comes to all the prophets, but there's something specific that Jonah was able to do with this word, and that was to actually make the entire imperial city of Nineveh repent simply by pronouncing the word. This is the miracle that happened that Nineveh, all the way up to the king, heard that God was going to overturn the city in 40 days, and with no evidence and no knowledge and no sign except the word, the king of Nineveh decided to change completely and follow another path and lead his entire city down to the horses themselves to repent, hoping and praying that God might change his mind. Only hearing the word was enough for Nineveh to understand the judgment that came against them and understand the power of God to overturn. They were not looking at the skies. They weren't saying, okay, Jonah, prove it. Okay, Jonah, we've never seen you. Okay, Jonah, you just appeared in our giant city, and you know who are you? No, they heard the word, and they followed it. So if these arrogant imperial leaders in Nineveh can hear the words and repent and can hear the word and change the path that they follow, why does it take already 15 chapters and the scribes and the Pharisees haven't put one foot on the correct path? They are adulterers. Why are they adulterers? We can look at Hosea to understand what that means. They follow gods besides the Lord. They follow other powers. They look to others who are going to provide what they want so that they can get what they want at whatever cost they can afford, and they can exchange with, and they can control those other gods and those other forces. Unlike the king of Nineveh, who got down on his knees and understood the power of God in a way that Jonah himself didn't understand. So the sign of Jonah that came to the people of Nineveh was this word, and that's all that he had, but it was enough. Why is it not enough for the scribes and the Pharisees? I'm going to give all of you a trick that will make it very easy for you to understand what's going on in Scripture, even in English. Anytime you see the word God or Lord or Jesus, just replace it with the words the judge. So, for example, in verse 1, it would read, The Pharisees and Sadducees came up, and testing the judge, they asked him. And then again, at the end of verse 4, you could substitute the pronoun he the same way, and the judge left them and went away. Now, if you understand that God is the judge in the text, and that Jesus, his earthly representative, his son, is the manifestation of his judgment on earth. The word of God is the judgment, which means the sign that is given is always a sign that reveals God's judgment to us. That is why Paul says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, because the only way you can see sin is if you are hearing scripture, which opens your eyes to see your own sin and to see sin in your community. This is the biblical sign. And it's also a grace because once you understand God's warning, then there's a chance that you can amend your ways. It's not rocket science. It's just as easy as looking at the sky to see whether it's going to rain. 
It's just that we don't want to do it. We don't make the effort and we're not interested in what scripture has to say, which is why people who talk about religious signs and miracles are always talking about consolation. But that's not how it works in the Bible. Just think about it. Jonah went to Nineveh and threatened them. That was the sign and they repented. It's fundamentally different than the way we think today, Richard, as modern Christians, and we need to really take it seriously so that the empty shelves at the grocery store expose us to ourselves as vain and selfish. This is the judgment, like we said in the opening. The judgment is upon us. I'm not talking about the apocalypse in a Hollywood form. I'm talking about the judgment, which is that the Word has come to us. Are we actually faithful? Are we actually putting our chips on God? Are we actually putting our faith in this path that God has set out for us, or are we not? This is the decision we have to make today. Are we going to look at the news to decide how we're supposed to act, looking at those empty shelves and looking at the guns and ammo flying off the shelves? Or are we going to look to Scripture so that our foot remains on the path? May the God of Jonah, who saved the people of Nineveh despite the wickedness of the prophet, save us with the same wisdom through his instruction. Amen. Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you, Father. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.